0: You know, so we go home, and as soon as my kids open our mouths, my cover's blown, you know. <laughs> so I'm trying to fit in, and they're talking like ninja turtles the whole time. So,
1: Hope Talk, a PCM podcast. Darren Mulligan from We Are Messengers is here. Good morning, one of my favorite blokes. Right now, you're looking like more Duck Dynasty than you are uh, <laughs> um, Irish when I first started talking to you.
0: Yeah, I started that quarantine beard, uh, I think last uh, June, and. Uh, I realized, I looked at some old photos of me, and I've got a, I've got a chin like a triangle fish. So <laughs> I'm going to keep this beard for a while. It looks more man.
1: <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Does, does your wife prefer the, uh, the clean-shaven Darren, or does Heidi like rather the uh, shelter-in-place look?
0: Funny, she didn't like it at first. No, she really, really did not like it at first. But now she, uh, she, I, I threatened to shave it the other day. She's like, you can't shave your beard. So, no, she loves it, now, whether she likes to admit it or not.
1: <laughs> Have you ever heard Crowder talk about the one time he shaved off his beard? No. He walked out after shaving off his beard and his wife right away said, you got to put that back on. You got to go back in there and put that back <laughs> on right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hey, Darren from Ireland, from and I don't know, I hope I don't slaughter this, Monaghan? Is that how we say your hometown, Monaghan? Uh, uh, we say Monaghan, so Monaghan. The, uh, Monaghan. the G is silent. Okay, yeah. what is besides we are messengers, what is Monaghan, Ireland best known for? Well, funny, the name Monaghan
0: in Irish, which is Gaelic, means Moenachon, or is the Irish, and what that means is it means um, land of little hills, so where we're from is just rolling hills all the way, but we're a town right on the border with Northern Ireland, so our county and our community has been at the centre of, I guess, hundreds and hundreds of years of troubles and of rebellion, and so there's a great history. And I often tell my kids, you know, you, you drive around the land, you know, the, the landscape, and the countryside, and you look at any given hill. And you'll see ring forts and old crannogs and these buildings that are three and four thousand years old. Wow! So it's just it's a, it's a very rural community, um, very ordinary. The other thing we're known for is a uh, entrepreneurship. So lots of entrepreneurs, lots of little business startups. We're very um, we're very hopeful people. We we have big dreams in a smaller community. So yeah,
1: that's awesome. When your kids, when you take your kids back home to Ireland to visit the family and friends, do they ever walk up to your kids and ask them to speak American for them? You know, just to kind of (laughs) hear their accents and things. Uh, they're
0: so aware like my kids stick out like a sore thumb now you know so we go home and as soon as my kids open their mouths my cover's blown you know (laughs) so I'm trying to fit in and they're talking like ninja turtles the whole time so now there's no hiding from it
1: can they pull up an Irish accent from living with you and and living with Um, Heidi
0: my daughter can Ted some funny enough my daughter is the one that's most homesick and so she, she holds on to her accent as best she can. But we went home down for, I think, two and a half months at Christmas. Towards the end of that, you could hear the little Irish accent. They say a lot of Irish words, you know, so they sound like us in that regard, but no, that, that American accent is a beast that it, it just takes everything in its path before it, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. do you remember when you and Heidi first came or when you actually you came first, when you first came to America, was there something American that you had to learn how to say? Was there something that was a little more difficult for you to grasp onto?
0: Well no, honestly, you know what the strangest thing about me, Ted, is my name, Darren, is not an Irish name, it's an American name. And so the hardest word that I've ever tried to say is my own name. Wow. You know, I was joking with somebody the other day. I can't pronounce the or in my name. So I say darn. Like,
1: darn. I, I cannot
0: say, unless I really overpronounce and I say Darren. <laughs> so you have to pronounce it in an American accent just to get it right. My mom cursed me whether she jinxed me.
1: <laughs> so it's darn, darn.
0: Well, it's actually, it's the way you say it. I just can't pronounce it, which is so ironic.
1: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, okay. So, teach us some Irish. Something that yeah. we can use in our normal daily life today. What? Uh, what's today's Irish word of the day? Okay. Well, I'll do. I'll do
0: two things. The first one's very, very simple. Uh, the first word is a word for love. Okay. But the English language, the way it describes love, is is very narrow. And in, in Irish, we have a word called "grá." So "grá," G R A. And there's an accent, of fada, over the top. But gra means this deep-seated um, kindness, this deep-seated uh, value, this deep-seated rooted love. It's a very deep word. So I-, I was talking to someone recently and I was saying how lots of people love music, love playing music. But to be a touring musician, you have to have a gra for it which is a love that surpasses your love for almost anything else that you do, you know? Um, So gra, so if you talk about your wife, that's a gra, I have a gra for my wife. Um, And yeah, the second phrase I was thinking about was, so in Irish, when you say hello to someone, again, it's not just hello, the English is hello, but in Irish, you say ditch and that's spelled D-I-A, and the second word is D-U-I-T. So you say ditch. And what that means is God be with you. Wow. And then when you respond, Ted, you don't just say hello back. You say, Gia is Ditch. So it's Gia, D-I-A, Is, M H U I R E D U I T. And what that means, Ted, is that means, and may God also be with you. Wow. And I love that greeting because straight away we bring God into the conversation.
1: Gia Ditch. G.S. Muradich. G.S. Muradich. Okay. Very good, bro. Hi. So you All gotta right. say. Yeah, I'll say G.S. to you, and then okay. you say G.S. Muradich. So okay, okay. G.S. instead. G.S. Muradich.
0: Look, that's, that's actually really, really good pronunciation. <laughs> so, so straight away, and even saying hello, you've already blessed me for the day. Yeah. And I think that's the richness of our culture, is that it goes so deep and so wide. And it's the thing I miss most about Ireland is just that connection to to our history and, and to the land and, and to,
1: to community. So, like here in America, when are we try? We would I would love it if my kids growing up were always hello, how are you? You know that type thing. Instead, you have kids there like sup. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so, so in Ireland is it more of a g'ia, you know, or whatever?
0: <laughs> well, in, in Ireland it's more hello. Still. like when you speak, most people speak English, obviously. So. But it's different. See, if you walk down the street in Ireland, um, everybody waves at each other. And everyone makes eye contact and they smile and they say hello. And the thing that's hardest for me to get used to is this idea that in a, even in my neighborhood, I can walk past people here and they won't make eye contact with me. They won't say hello. They won't wave. There's such a sense of suspicion. Yeah. And, and I've made a point, me and my wife, of saying hello, how are you, to everybody and it makes people really uncomfortable sometimes, because why is this stranger talking to me? But, yeah, I miss that. Like, people looking at you in your eye and asking you how you are.
1: Just random strangers. That's a beautiful thing. It could be they don't recognize you, your neighbors, though, with uh, with the COVID beard <laughs> there. You know, could be. <laughs> they, they recognize me all right. My postman stopped me yesterday, a, a new postman. And I was like,
0: oh, no, I'm in trouble. I wasn't here for the nail or something. And he's like, yo, you're the image of God guy. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess, you know. And then he started rattling off all
1: these songs he likes. So even the postman knows me at this point in the neighborhood. What an incredible <laughs> compliment that would be. Can you imagine if all of us would have people mistake us and say, hey, aren't you the image of God? Well, I certainly hope so, you know. <laughs> well, my response to him was uh, a, a little bit, I guess, you know. I'm like, yeah hey speaking of image of god you know it's been five years right since your first recorded album since we are yeah five five years that's right tag yeah dude what took you so long i mean you know (laughs) for for the new one there And, and since then what has surprised you the most about your music and ministry maybe life in general since then five years
0: yeah um i think it surprised me most that just how people have connected with the message that we have, with the music that we make, because we don't make music that is easily digestible. You know, in a very like, here's a nice, happy Christian pop song to make you feel good. We write songs about the hard things, about the difficult things, uh, about heartache and joy and loneliness, and and where God meets us in that. But like we were we were playing on a uh, hit steep with Toby this you know past couple of months, and it amazed me Ted, just watching these crowds. I forgot what it was like to be in a room with human beings yeah when you watch them sing every word back over you and when they're crying and they're laughing and they're jumping and they're singing and you realize that God brought this man and his family from a tiny village in Ireland when I was 34 years old and had given up on my dreams and God gave us songs and gave us a platform and he's used those songs to really change people's lives and I think that's I know that sounds trite as an artist, you know, because it's kind of narcissistic. You're going, oh, look at what I've done. It's, it's not that. It's just I'm kind of baffled that God would use such a messy man like me, you know. But then I read the scriptures and all he seems to use is messy men and messy women. So I shouldn't be surprised. And uh, secondly, Ted, the thing that I'm uh, most surprised about five, six years later is that God continues to give us passions and dreams and dreams. You know, in music and outside of music, one of the things my wife and I are really passionate about at the moment is supporting an organization that provides young girls um, from ethnic minorities who are going to Planned Parenthood to have abortions. We provide them with health care and training and employment and housing and counseling. We walk with them for, for years and God has put that in our hearts and and. It amazes me that God still trusts me with dreams and visions because I don't even trust myself. He's been so good, Ted, so good.
1: What a great ministry that God's laid on your all's heart. To no, hear with <clears throat>
0: Ted, I want to thank you, Ted, seriously. And you can put this on the podcast too because you need to know this. Um, your support even of Image of God, of that song, um, that's huge. And it has allowed us to do an awful lot of good in this part of the community it's a huge huge thing so thank you for having the courage to play it, to stick with us to be there because that song's uh so it's, it's been a world-changing song for the people that that
1: we need to interact with well when i first heard it and we started playing and that started impacting our listeners lives here automatically even before you had to pull in that country guy vince gill so you know <laughs> now did you even know who vince gill was before you came to america Man, I'm a
0: huge Vince Gill fan. Really? I, I grew up like on on Vince, and obviously before him, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. So I'm goofy about Vince Gill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what was that like the first time when you all got together to actually record one of your songs? There's bluegrass legend, country legend Vince Gill, and then I think Amy did. Amy come with him? Amy Grant, his wife.
0: Well, so here's the thing: um, Amy's not on the record, but so. Myself and my wife Heidi were friendly with Amy. So we've known Amy for a few years and been out to her farm and hung out a bit. And She's wonderful. I've never met Vince. Um, so here's what happened, Ed, You need to know the story. So we were talking about who should we get to feature in this song. And we had talked with, there's a lady called Gloria Gaynor. So she's like the disco queen. I uh, will survive. And so she was going to do it. And at the end up, we decided, well, that's just a little bit too disco for we are messengers, you know. Um, really grateful because she's a legend but my A&R guy Joseph said what about Vince Gill and so I called Amy and said Amy can you put me in touch with Vince, we'd like to ask him but I didn't want to use my friends for that, I've never used my friends to get things that I want, so I said Joseph you're going to have to figure this out on your own you're going to have to get in touch with him so Joseph got a phone number, called Vince Vince agreed to do the song my A&R guy called me he said Darren in a couple of days Vince Gill's going to call you, I give him your number Right. So anyway, a couple of days later, I'm in a coffee shop somewhere and I uh, get a random phone call. I was waiting for a phone call from my production manager. So I'm talking to this guy, you know, his name's Tyler. I'm talking, hey, Tyler, how are we doing? What's it looking like for the show? What's the production like? And I'm like, this guy's accent sounds different. I don't this doesn't sound like Tyler. So five minutes in of me blabbering about production, I realize, oh, no, this is Vince Gill." So so I said, I said, sir, is this Vince Gill? And he said, yes, sir. And I, I almost fell out of my chair. And uh, this is the best part. And I, I was sort of thanking him and telling him about how wonderful he is and all that jazz. And uh, I said, Vince, do you want to hear the song? And he said, no, sir. And I said, well, why, why do you not want to hear the song before, you know, we do it? He said, because I love We Are Messengers. I love what you guys do. And I was like, yeah, you're having a laugh, Vince, girl. There's no way you even know who I am. Um, but he loved the song. And we went out to his house, into his studio with hundreds of guitars and, you know, Grammy awards coming out of the, the, the joists in the ceiling. And uh, we put two mics in the room. We sat down. I said, Vince, would you mind playing a little lead riff going into this? He played the riff. I said, great, let's cut it. And so we just cut the song there and then with two microphones, no editing, just did it. And what you hear is what we did in that room that day. No click track, no fancy production, just, just three guys sitting around a microphone singing songs.
1: Well, let me tell you this, that image of God, you shared that with us last fall uh, for our banquet that we did, our virtual banquet, and you did it from your backyard with birds chirping above you and all of that, <laughs> traffic noises and kids bouncing on trampolines and all of that, and I'll tell you, we started playing the, the the recorded, produced version. To this day, everybody that I know that's seen that that video or heard it here in our staff, they prefer you acoustically on that song, the way they heard it there, than they do. They love the song, don't get me wrong, but they prefer you. it in that simple, everything cut away, just that. I mean, can you even explain the fact that I, our listener, that we were all created in the image of the creator, God? Most yeah. people can't comprehend that.
0: Yeah, well, I think sometimes we look at ourselves, Ted, like we're the sum of our mistakes, we're the sum of the bad things we've done. And so we have this, I talked about the Irish word for God, this deep-seated love. Sometimes we have a deep-seated resentment for ourselves, or we live in a place of shame or condemnation. Um, And then sometimes we live in a place of pride, where we think we're great because we've done good things. And neither of those are true. We're not who we are in our best days. We're not who we are in our worst days. The truth of who we are is found in the scriptures. And at the very beginning, it says that God breathed his life into our nostrils to give us life so our life comes from him but what's even cooler than that is that the scriptures repeatedly tell us that we've been created and formed in the likeness and in the image of God himself so we have this opportunity to, to not just view ourselves as being made in God's image but to view everyone else And so we wrote the song around the time of the George Floyd death and that resurgence in the civil rights movement. That was a huge part of the song. There's a line in the chorus where we talk about beautiful shades of love, and that's us reaching out to everyone. But we also wrote it at a time when my wife and I had fallen in love with this movement that was kindly and compassionately ministering to these young girls in crisis pregnancy. And we wanted to be able to tell these girls And tell our African-American friends and our Hispanic friends and our Irish friends, right, that we love you not because of who you are or what you are going to do or what you have done, but because of what and who you are in Jesus Christ. Mm. And when you realize that someone's value is not tied to what they can give you or what they can do, it's a really freeing thing. And so you can learn to love people for who they are, not what they can give you, not what they've done. You can forgive, you can move past, you can reconcile. But that all starts by realizing who you are, Ted, who I am, who my wife and my kids are, that we're not just fathers and wives and husbands and daughters and sons. Like We're children of a holy God who thinks good things about us, who has good things for us, who will carry us through the fire when we can't go. And so the song, Ted, is the last thing I'll say about Song was a tricky song to put out because it had a whole lot of risk attached to it. You know me. You know we don't give you easy songs. We never have, right? But we give you songs that we believe will change culture and change the world. And I'm going to keep doing that, mate. So expect more hard ones to come your way.
1: <laughs> Bring them on, man. Bring them on. Hey, almost on cue. I think I heard your kids in the background there somewhere. Yeah, what, what are What are they up to? How old are they? What are they into these days? Yo,
0: they're all over the place. So oldest is 11. We've got three boys, 11, 7, and 2. And then we have a wee girl, Emmanuel, who's 9. So right now they're homeschooling. We just got up. We had breakfast. We were playing cars with my 2-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's so strange, like, I have a two-year-old uh, and an 11-year-old. So going back to that playing, little toys on the floor, has been a hard adjustment, but it's super cool. So my wife is homeschooling in TED, so she'll spend the next few hours um, sitting with them. They start with Bible study. They start with scripture. And then they go into all of their subjects, and it is an absolute nightmare.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so are you but, like but she the, loves it. Are you like the principal or the PE teacher? Which one are you?
0: I'm, I'm like a very absent principal. I uh, I avoid homeschooling like the plague um, and I'm drawn in whenever there's a crisis. But uh, I'm really, I, I got to say, I'm really proud of my wife. She's uh, done a phenomenal job and she, she wanted to homeschool them not because of pandemic. She wanted to homeschool them because she wanted to have them together and to be able to teach them the scriptures and she's done a a wonderful job. I call Madonna. She's she's a saint.
1: How many years have you and Heidi been married, and, and how did you all very first meet? Do you remember that oh, yeah, first we,
0: meeting? We, we, uh, we met in Galway in 1999, uh, which Prince told me was a good year, and he was <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, so we've been dating, we've been boyfriend and girlfriend for 21 going on, 22 years, and we've been married for uh, it'll be 13 years a month from today or yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've we been married a long time. And, um, man, there is no way we should still be together but the grace of God and the goodness of God and the patience and forgiveness of my wife. And uh,
1: marriage is hard, Ted. It's real hard, bro. You know this. 31 years right here, man. I know yeah. my, my wife is a saint. In- That's amazing, Ted.
0: 31, it's hard, but it is worth fighting for, you know, and I would not be alive today if it wasn't for my wife leading me to Jesus, you know, Mm. 13 years ago, so I owe her a lot.
1: So let me ask you this question. With this last year, you, you mentioned you're at back on the road touring now, but you spent a lot more time at home than what you normally yes. would. What would Heidi say is the thing that she appreciated most about you this year? And then also, what would she say is the best thing about having you back out on the road now?
0: <laughs> um, but funny, I just got home a couple of days ago, and she was like, "She was like, I think it might be better when you're on the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, Because when a musician comes off the road from having been gone for a couple of months, it's really awkward those first few days of fitting back in, what's your role? I think she would say the thing she appreciated most about me was the time that I spent with the kids. Because sometimes when you're an artist, you can get so obsessed with what's next, with what you're doing, that you forget to be present with your family. And this year forced me to be present. It was awkward and uncomfortable at times, but just me learning what my kids love again learning to connect with them learning to be a daddy again that was that was really cool it was a great privilege and so I'm, I'm trying to continue to carry that into this season of tailoring again so yeah
1: everything comes alive love power magnify maybe it's okay these are all songs i just glanced at a minute ago on our playlist can you pick one of those that you're most proud of Ah, it's like your children, Ted, you can't have favourites, but
0: I, uh, some days I do, depending on the situation. Um, I think maybe It's Okay is probably my favourite song to date. It's not that it's my favourite sounding song. I actually think, I think Love is my favourite sounding song. There's just so much joy in it. Um, But Maybe It's Okay is the song, I think, that has just saved people from suicide, from depression, from divorce, from bullying, from loneliness. It's given people a voice, giving them an opportunity to say I'm not okay and to allow God to move in that. But like when you list those songs off, it's so funny, Ted. Like, I remember the first day we released Everything Comes Alive. I was like, this song's never going to work. It's way too happy for an Irishman, you know? <laughs> and uh, the, you know, Tracy might know because she wasn't with the radio team then, but I think it was the fastest growing single that Word had had, had in like 10 years or something. But when you look at those songs, every one of them tells a story about a particular time in my life or in my family's life. We're not writing stories hoping that radio will play it or hoping that your listeners will like it. We're just writing the truth in the most honest, melodic way we can. Because the thing that changes people's lives, and you know this from radio, is not necessarily music. It's not necessarily teaching stories change lives. Mm -hmm. You see, you can't argue with someone's story. You can argue with my opinion, but you can't argue with how it made me feel. So my wife and I, I'll say it one more time, we're pro-life in a very general term in that we love women, we love parents, we love babies, and we want to see every child born, right? But um, it's it's not this very simple thing you can put us into a box on, being this pro-life, you know, fundamentalist family. There's so much that goes into that, but it's stories, right? You can argue with me when I say I'm pro-life. What does that mean? Why do you believe that? You can't argue with a 16-year-old African-American girl who's been bullied by an abusive boyfriend into having an abortion because he's threatening to make her homeless. When she tells you her story, and you watch her tears fall, and her heart fall apart in your arms, you can't argue with that. Mm -mm. you know nobody is pro-choice in that situation everyone is pro-life in that situation sure so stories through songs through melody through radio those are the things that i've I've
1: seen change lives so thankful for it so you had to do that with vince gill we talked about that if it were up to your kids who would they be most impressed if (laughs) daddy had an opportunity to record a song with
0: oh this is so awful um
1: Okay, I'll give you a couple
0: of wholesome ones first. So, well, relatively wholesome. Uh, Weezer. My kids, my oldest loves Weezer. Weezer's my favorite band of all time, by okay. the way. Uh-huh. Um, but he also, oh, Beaver, He loves Beaver, <laughs> Mad into Beaver. I'd actually like to do, be, Beaver would be mighty. That kid is following the Lord. Um, but then there's some unwholesome ones, like Post Malone. Uh it just doesn't excite me that much, to be honest. Um, but they're just, even Toby Mac, like, they love like seeing me out in the road with Toby Mac because he's the GOAT, you know, he's the legend Mm -hmm. Uh, even for them, they know that too Uh, just just a lot of people, I've been playing him a lot of like rock music from the past so I introduced him to like Metallica and stuff, and he loves it, you know, and I would like to pretend, for the sake of Christian radio, that I don't love Metallica, but I do.
1: But you love so, it so much more for the music, though, and the musicality of that and the way those guys play, which is most most consumers of radio and music don't fully understand that. They just, you yeah. know, from Christian point, we know the lyrics. Okay, well, that's a bad song. That's a good song. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But even in a quote unquote bad lyric song, the musicality can be phenomenal in that yeah it really can like the musicality is such an important thing and when you come to even as a format christian radio
0: and the christian music industry we're we're so heavily leaning towards the message of a song and towards the lyrics and that's cool for someone like me because i love lyric i love ideas and before i love melody but what i realized is that if i want that lyric to sneak up and get down into your heart ted i gotta give you the melody that gets it there so the melody and the instrumentation is the vehicle to get the message into stubborn hearts uh and so we work really hard on that which is why every time you get a song it sounds different like can you tell me two we are messenger songs that sound the same
1: mm-hmm. no
0: which is also a problem because in christian radio you want every song that's a hit song to make sure that the next one sounds just the same how can that be? Because my experience is so different. Every three months, of my life radically changes. Every two weeks, every two days. Yeah. So there's a sound that accompanies the emotion. You know, we, we haven't released the sound like Magnify again because that, that was a time and a place and a moment. And so every time we drop a song, it's a very new, fresh moment for us, um, which is why people like you, Ted, who've been with us all these years and always give us the benefit of the doubt, That's why you've changed my life, because you've allowed me to do that. And that takes courage and conviction, and it just takes being a decent, decent bloke. So, and all you guys, thank you.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. I love the bloke comment, too. You mentioned Toby Mack being out on tour, the Hit Steep Tour. How awesome is it to be back out on tour? Do you guys, have you all even talked backstage about, do you get that sense and that feel that you got to make up for lost time? (laughs) Um, Yeah,
0: I think there's a real appreciation of it. It took so much effort to make this tour happen, Ted. This was the first um, multi-city arena tour in the world of any genre of music. That's a big deal. And we also did it super safely. We were tested for COVID every few days. We were in a bubble. We were masked. We were doing everything the CDC recommended. And we did that because we wanted to make allowance for not just our own crews and band members and bus drivers, because they needed the work, bro. They needed the work. But we did it for the audience. We did it for people. We wanted them to be safe. And I'm telling you, Ted, I've never had so much fun playing music. It was rowdy as you could never imagine. It was so much fun, dude.
1: When you guys pose for a promotion picture with your band, like what's on your website right now, does the photographer yeah. look at you and say, no, 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 no smiling. I want you to look angry and mad. Is that, right? Is that what they
0: do? It's kind of the unwritten rule of photography. You never smile. I look at, like I never stop smiling, to be honest, except for photographs. Um, but we got some new ones coming out. We shot some new photos in Ireland. I can't wait for you to see them. Not because it's my face, but just you can see where I'm from, where I live, uh, yeah, I smile a little bit more, and um, although there's a couple of solemn-looking ones, too. I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of picking mix right now.
1: If, if one of our listeners were able to meet you as soon as you got up in the morning and then spent the entire day with you, what do you think would surprise them the most? Uh, that I'm not as melancholic as they think. Uh, <laughs> that I laugh a lot, that there's a lot of joy. Um, and it would also surprise
0: them that I'm not as intense as they think. I'm pretty chill. Like, yo, see this guitar? like. Oh, got a shirt. That's what what. I'm also wearing shorts. I was that gonna say it's, it's
1: a Zoom call. You had to stand up and show that you're wearing shorts. But like I was playing, um, like John Mayer. You know? Yeah.
0: I just sit around my house playing guitar, playing like John Mayer songs and Chris D'Elbont songs and. Just you know, I'm pretty easygoing, Ted, but I have an intensity about me. Once you once you hit the button, and the button is usually something to do with outsiders or marginalized, then I'm all in. I'm like, let's bring Jesus into this. It's time to go. You
1: know. Are there any artist fashion styles that you wish would go away? Yes. <laughs> can, you, can you name them? Can you name? Give me an example.
0: Uh, the worship leader outfit, whatever that thing is. I'm like. <laughs> You all take yourselves way too seriously. Like, you're not James Dean. You're singing songs at your church. Like, even me, I can't take all serious. Like, sometimes we're like, you know, what are you wearing tonight, fellas? The same thing we wear every night, T-shirt and trousers. Let's go. You know, I'm just, I'm beyond caring about being cool, Ted. And maybe much to our detriment. Um, but I just wish people just chill out and just, just enjoy the songs that God has given them.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so other than being talented and called, what's one of the things that people would be surprised that they would have to master in order to be an artist? I mean, is it a compulsion to hang out at the Frothy Monkey or any other eclectic <laughs> coffee shop or, or what?
0: Uh, coffee is very important. You know, you've got to be able to hang. I think the greatest thing to be uh, an artist or a musician, um, outside of walking with the Lord, which is obviously the priority in our band, um, is just being a good hang is being a good friend. It's holding each other accountable. You know, I'm in a band with, you know, four other guys and we have crew and um, we want to hold each other accountable. Be careful about how we speak. Be careful what we see. Be careful what we hear. Be careful where we go because we realize there's so many traps and so many pitfalls. So I think a really great artist and a band member, they hold each other accountable. They're good listeners, good friends, and they're just chill. No egos. Yo, if you have an ego... You will not survive. Like no, no pridefulness. Remember that the security guard, kid, or the bus driver are more important than any of us are. Sure, and that's how we live our
1: lives. You're an official podcaster. What makes a really good podcaster? Show us how it's done. You take over for the next little second here.
0: Oh, I got my mic over here. Yo, let me see. It's just over here. Ah, I can turn it. There's ah, my little setup. Uh, there it but, is. But um, for me, I think it's content. So I think speaking. Being Irish, I would speak slowly. So the introduction to my podcast is, you know, something along the lines of, hey, guys, I'm Darren from We Are Messengers, and this is the Daily Message. So I have to slow my accent way down because I want the listener to hear what I'm doing. And the Daily Message podcast is just scripture. It's all scripture. Um, It's not my idea about scripture. Um, When I use the commentary, I'm reading Eugene Peterson commentary. Great content. Great ideas, nice and slow for me because I sound like a farmer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Farmer Darn, my last question for you is this. How can I, how can our listeners pray for and minister to you and your family right now?
0: Okay, Right. so I could give two answers. One could be the cheesy Christian thing, um, you know, which is a very generic thing. That's not what I'm going to do. If you're praying for me today, pray that um, my wife and I, um, there's a little bit of distance creeped in since I've been going back on the road, you know. And it's just a natural thing. Yeah. Distance develops when you know, maybe you had dreams that you had two months ago and you haven't been able to talk about them and then you come back and her dreams here and my dreams here, or vice versa. There's just distance. It's nothing serious, but I just want that to pass so we can get back to, you know, just being chilled together and dreaming together again. So yeah, that's that's the real deal. Can I pray with you
1: real quick? Let's go ahead. Father, I thank you for my brother, Darn, and I thank you, God, for Heidi. And Lord, I just pray, I'm just in awe of how you have blessed them and what you're doing through their marriage, first of all, with their own family, with their kids, and yes. then also, God, with the way they're an extension, what uh, you're ministering through them to these young mothers, to these young fathers, to these little babies, uh, when they need it most, when they're they're in their, their crisis mode, and you're able to bring Darren and Heidi alongside, to bring attention and awareness to this cause but also to be there to physically minister to them. And God I also thank you for the band We Are Messengers and Father what you've called Darren to do and how he's able to provide for his family but more importantly of that be able to fulfill the calling that you have on his life and Heidi's life to be able to do that. And so God I pray right now that as they're experiencing what may feel like a little bit of disconnectedness God I pray you would just bring them back together wholeheartedly that God you would just take away any uneasiness, take away any kind of uh, rifts that may be there, and just help them to be able just to relax in each other's arms and to be able to, to continue moving forward and sharing that love that they have as husband and wife with their kids. And Father, thanking you for that. God, just continue to protect their marriage wherever they go, whatever they do. Thank you, Lord, for Darren. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast.